Welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, interdisciplinary conversations about new works in the broad world of business research. I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast or sharing with others who might like it too. And if you have ideas for future episodes, let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Our guest today is Hajin Kim, assistant professor of law at the University of Chicago. We'll be discussing her new article, Expecting Corporate Prosociality, which is forthcoming in the journal Legal Studies. I'll add a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Hajin, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight to be here. I'm really excited about this paper. I love the survey methodology that you use in this paper, but I'd like to start with maybe a discussion about uh, what it means for a corporation to be pro-social or what the purpose of a corporation might be. If I attend law school or business school, what am I going to be taught by the faculty there about the purpose of the corporation or perhaps the purpose of an LLC? If I don't attend either of those two schools, however, what might I pick up just in the atmosphere about what the purpose of the corporation might be? What's the sort of consensus view? And are there any alternative views on what the purpose of the corporation might be? I would say the traditional view that both professional schools, law schools and business schools have taught for years is the idea of shareholder profit maximization, that corporate managers are agents of shareholders who are the principals, and that managers as these agents have a duty to maximize shareholder profits. With the rise of ESG and attention paid to corporate effects on society, there's been an increase in these alternative perspectives. They've been called anything from sustainable capitalism, stakeholder capitalism, stakeholderism, corporate social responsibility more generally, and so forth, with the idea that maybe corporate purpose should be broader than just shareholder profits. There's a multitude of views within that as well. Some people say it's not about exclusive profit maximization per se, but shareholders are the principles and therefore it's about maximizing shareholder welfare. So there's truly a diverse range of possibilities. The traditional view, as I said, though, is this shareholder wealth maximization view. But that said, as you asked, if you don't go to these schools, I think you found in your research and I've found in my research that there is a divergence of views. So most people seem to believe that corporations can care about societal impacts beyond what is just profitable for them. Now, There's a lot of room for overlap here, right? There's a lot of things that corporations can and do for society that also happens to be profitable. And that does undergird some of the research that I'll talk about today. Why does it matter from a social perspective? Why does it matter what I expect of the purpose or the behavior of the corporation or what we expect of the purpose or behavior of a corporation generally? Why do social expectations or beliefs about the purpose of a corporation, why might those matter? This is the core of the theory of stakeholder expectations theory, which is what I pose in the paper. So I love this question. It matters because if you believe that firms can and should only maximize profits, what I call exclusive profit maximization, then you might be less likely to use your purchasing employment investment, and other decisions to punish and reward corporations for their impacts on society. You might go to the grocery store and be less inclined to believe that fair trade coffee is really good for the world because corporations can only maximize profits. They're more likely to greenwash. Or you might think, why protest my employer who has done these profitable but bad things? Because my employer has to do these things because they're legally required to. So you might give fewer rewards by fair trade coffee. You're choosing to work for a lower wage for a socially responsible employer and fewer penalties, boycotts, or changing jobs, 
in response to bad corporate behavior that you just expect to happen anyway. So all of that is to say that what stakeholders expect can change their behavior in response to corporate activity, and those responses can influence corporate behavior. You're interested in this set of research questions. Do you talk a little bit about your empirical strategy? You used surveys and service from Amazon, Mechanical Turk. Can you tell us about maybe the use of surveys in this area of social science and how Mechanical Turk was able to help you with that process? Yes, absolutely. Just to lay the ground, Amazon Mechanical Turk is an online gig work platform, so people can sign up and do tasks. These tasks can range from things like transcribing audio, identifying objects in a photo, and so on. But social science researchers like myself and like you use this platform and others to survey people, so MTurkers get paid to take the surveys. So what I did is I posted the survey on MTurk through a separate service called Cloud Research, which I'm also happy to talk about. I posted a survey that basically taught half of the participants randomly assigned to either learn about profit maximization and the other half to learn about corporate prosociality, that corporations can and should care about society. I then told them all that Amazon, the platform that runs MTurk, was destroying useful unsold products instead of donating them. And I explained this to them using a real Greenpeace petition against the practice that I showed them. And I asked them how many of them would be willing to sign the petition. So the question was, if they learned about profit maximization versus if they learned about corporate prosociality, did that change their willingness to sign the petition, the real petition against their pseudo employer? So you refer to these Amazon Turk survey takers as being pseudo employees of Amazon. Could you describe that relationship a little bit? What's the power dynamic in that relationship? Are these workers thinking of themselves as Amazon workers? How do they view themselves and as a general matter? And do you have any sense of how they viewed themselves in this study? Technically, they are independent contractors. But what I find from some of my survey responses is that they do very much view Amazon, some of them at least, view Amazon as their employer. So I asked people an open-ended question on why they did or did not choose to sign the petition. And many of the people who chose not to sign said they didn't want to lose what they viewed as their job with Amazon or bite the hand that feeds them and so on. There are studies out there that suggest that These folks have not very much market power in these relationships, right? They are gig workers, and as gig workers, they are fairly replaceable by other gig workers on the platform. So to your question on power, I would say they don't have, at least the research suggests that they don't have much market power. With that background, could you talk about some of your big findings? What were some of your principal findings from the study? Do you have any guesses as to some of the mechanisms that might be driving the results from this set of survey experiments that you did? In study one, my main study, I found, as predicted, that the exclusive profit maximization folks were less willing to sign than the people who learned that firms can and should care about society. Around 48% in the profit condition chose to sign, compared to 61% in the social condition. I also did, to your second question, what's called a mediation analysis to try to understand why the two conditions diverged. Now, this doesn't give us a definitive answer, but it helps us understand patterns of the data that can be consistent with potential mechanisms. So there, I found that the profit condition led people to think it was less appropriate for employees to push for social change, more futile protest. And they expected fewer firms to care about society, so it was less of an outrageous thing that Amazon did, and fewer others to also protest with. And this was in line with what I had expected, right? So if you think that firms can and only should maximize profits, then you might think, what's the point of protesting? It's not my role to protest here. Other people aren't going to protest, and so on. 
You talk about potential extensions from this study, either in terms of methods or some of the findings that you've identified. Are there any limitations or thoughts that we might have around external validity of this study? What can you tell us there in terms of extending this to other settings? Yes, absolutely. I like to think of experimental work like this as typically providing proof of concept that the theory could work in the real life like this, but not that it necessarily does. And if it does, in what contexts? Because these experimental studies are in really controlled settings with specific people here at MTurkers. And so we don't know, for example, will this generalize to tech workers who have a lot more labor power, are a lot more educated? Will it operate in even, I used a protest scenario, like, are you willing to sign a petition against Amazon? Will it extend to rewards as well? Are you willing to pay more for something or take a lower wage for something that's socially responsible? And importantly, we don't know how this changes. As we teed up in the beginning of the episode, most of the people I'm surveying really did come in with a belief that corporations can and should care about society. But if academia really is telling many people, and maybe this is caveat, maybe this is all different now with the rise of ESG, but if academia is telling people, okay, the thing that matters is profit maximization, then I was able to, using the manipulation, change people from a social responsibility mindset to a profit maximization mindset. But how does it work when you go from profit maximization to try to inculcate a social responsibility mindset? It's not clear it would work in both directions. There are tons of limitations, of course, based on just the two studies that I ran. But I do think that at least provides proof of concept and it can kind of show this is how a person's cognitive path could go. What key takeaways would you like listeners of this interview or readers of the article to take from your work? First, the idea that exclusive profit maximization expectations could dampen win-win opportunities. That if we teach people, key stakeholders, employees, consumers, investors, that corporations cannot and should not care about society, then it'll be harder for corporations to actually do good things and be rewarded by the market. So I think this is a new argument in this long-running corporate purpose debate. The second is there's a fight in the corporate purpose debate on whether how we talk about things matters. So some will say, for example, that what's called enlightened shareholder value theory is no different from pure profit maximization because it's all still motivated by profits, even if you think that doing the good thing will get you greater profits and that sort of ties the good to the profit more cleanly. What this project suggests is, in fact, how we talk about what firms value and what they can and should do and do have really tangible impacts and influence on firm incentives. And so it's suggesting something that people dismiss as rhetoric or semantics could be important. Our guest today has been Hajin Kim, Assistant Professor of Law at the University of Chicago. We've discussed her new article, Expecting Corporate Prosociality, which is forthcoming in the Journal of Legal Studies. I'll add a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Hajin, Thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast. Andrew, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. Andrew Jennings.